Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Broken Shovel Podcast, Homesteading for a Sustainable Future. I am Lucas, and with me is... Eric. And I'm my Lily. good friend... Lily. Yeah, hi. Uh, today we're talking uh, power grids, what they mean uh, in, uh, this, under the, the umbrella of climate change, what's happening, what's changing, what needs to change. Um, how is everyone today? Oh, and I'm sorry, just, I, I, I almost forgot. We have a segment at, towards the end of the show. Uh, I had a conversation with Rebecca from Fiddler's Green Farm in Vermont uh, about her business, and uh, we'll have that tagged on at the end of the show. Uh, how are you two? Well, well, I'm hoping to get out and enjoy this humid lull in the rain today. It's a bit oppressive. <laughs> the, uh, where are you today, Lily? I'm in New York City today. Oh, okay. I know. I'm actually on the, at home. I'm actually yeah. home. I'm actually <laughs> in my own bed. <laughs> There you go. Oh, what a wild uh, yeah, concept. So, <laughs> yeah. The the humidity is a little intense over here. Um I don't care much for humidity, but Meg is a Dude. she's a tropical girl. She loves Hawaii and places like that and I just not me. It comes from uh, the California in her. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh but everybody's having a good weekend. I got to hang yes. out with you a little bit yesterday, Eric. Um, yes, we farmers marketed it it it, it up. <laughs> yep, got to meet some new people and uh, compare some strawberry prices. Yes, uh, prices we've seen so far. Yeah, can we talk about that really quick? Like, because yes, I was texting both of you. I'm so upset. This woman at the Chelsea Farmers Market, she's all she has is strawberries. No one else has strawberries, and I'm like, those look like pretty good strawberries. And I wander over, how much? Because there's no sign. Nine fifty for a pint. Are and you I was serious? Just like, I was just. I, I was like, that's way too expensive. Now, and what is interesting is that my bank is on the corner there, and I had gone to the ATM and had walked past her booth to go check out everything else, and I overheard her telling someone that she got lucky and was not hit by the frost in in uh, in May. So mm. it wasn't even like she was like recouping; she was just charging yeah. an, an enormous amount. Yeah, and that and seems to be the norm at a few others. I saw I've seen posted online on the listserv a couple farms. <laughs> Either eight fifty, nine fifty. I saw one this morning for ten twenty-five a pint. That's crazy. Um, what did you pay yesterday in Norwich, Eric? I paid, and this is I, I will I will shout out to this farm of Hurricane Flats and Snatch. You love Hurricane Flats, yeah. They're I great. love hurricanes. They're local. They uh they they were hit hard by Irene, and they've come back well. Uh, five dollars for a pint of strawberries from them. See, that's reasonable. That's super reasonable. And I bet yeah. the strawberries are amazing. They are. They are delicious. I'm actually going to be chopping them up today. So I have, I will actually, I'll, I'll chop them up and put a little bit of sugar and a little tiny bit of balsamic on them and then just leave them in the Ooh. fridge. And then I'll pull nice. them out of the fridge and just take a spoon and just like eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be canning sounds... all that rhubarb we bought yesterday. Nice. today. Delicious. <laughs> all right. Oh, well, it is delicious. Episode <laughs> since we had our strawberry. No, more talk about strawberries. Strawberry. Yeah, we could do a whole strawberry talk. On strawberry. We strawberry could. Talk. We could. <laughs> yep. 
Well, uh, yeah. So our topic today, uh, we are talking power grids. We are talking. We are going to compare the Vermont power grid to the Texas power grid, which is being uh, uh, tested this weekend. Let's say, or this week and, yep. and in coming days, let's say. But uh, let's first start uh, by defining what a power grid is uh, here. Lily. All right. Um, power grid is an electrical grid. Uh, is interconnected network for electricity deliver from product a producer to consumer uh electrical grids vary in size and can cover whole countries and continents mm -hmm. super simple thank you yes You're welcome. okay so the uh, and and correct me if i'm wrong here folks but the reason we're talking about the texas power grid specifically is coming off of the failures uh last winter in yep. texas uh, and being able to handle extreme cold, which is unusual for that area, <laughs> brought on by what? climate change. Yeah, so, um, our favorite topic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And Vermont has been a little bit innovative about the way that they handle their power grid. Mm -hmm. uh, so where do where do we want to get started, Eric? And uh, Lily, somebody. Um, I think let's or, just talk about <laughs> let's just like break out let's break down um what power grids usually use for like the resources like what 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 do power power grids <laughs> well if if it's a good power grid it's it's diversified mm -hmm. right um and uh that is something that Vermont has worked really hard on um with with very aspirational goals uh right now we're looking at mainly hydropower nu natural gas and nuclear yep. now and also uh, like and a, a big caveat is that we don't actually we buy most of that Right, and we buy it from specifically. Most of that gets bought from Hydro Quebec, which actually owns, is actually a parent of most of our grid. And actually, I did not know that. Yes, yeah, Hydro Quebec either. owns. Yeah, they own a lot of the power generation uh, for most of New England, actually. Oh wow! So that's that's part of the New England power pool, then. Yep. Okay. Uh. Yeah, so so yeah, so we're like 54% hydropower here <laughs> coming from Canada. Yeah. Uh natural gas is going to be more um urban areas, I would assume. Uh and then um you know, uh nuclear is also purchased from out of state. Mm -hmm. uh, yep. Our, our nuclear plant shut, got shut down what 2016 <laughs> or no, way back way before that like 20 Way before that. Yeah, like 2010 or something. Okay. Uh, whereas, what what's the breakdown in Texas? Now, uh, the majority of Texas still come, is uh, about 51% natural gas, 23% uh, is of wind, which actually that 23% is the uh, highest in the nation. Wow. Yeah, say, yeah, it's a really impressive amount of wind. Yeah, they are the number one wind producer in the country. Good and then they have say, yeah. oh yeah they uh when i was living down there it was really interesting because when the place i worked at um either in the mornings or in the afternoon after work we would it was uh the business was on a main street but the uh the only way for 
getting big the big windmill parts from East Texas where they were manufactured over to West Texas where it's big, open, and flat and nice wind. Uh, they'd have to go through this little tiny town. So I we just sit there and watch these just massive uh, windmill parts going through this little tiny town. That's great. Wow. <laughs> um, so, so that wait. So oh. you said there's natural gas, there's wind, and then there's what also a nineteen percent, nineteen percent coal and seven percent nuclear. Okay. Perfect. And that covers the entire state of Texas or Yes, that covers the entire state, state of, of Texas. Texas. The entire state. And then they are also they are a isolated grid as well. Yeah, in the oh, lower wow. forty eight okay. they're the only one. Yep. And Alaska and uh Hawaii are set as you would expect um yeah. you know uh them to be. Uh so yep. uh, now, but now yeah, does, they are they let, let's that the question is what is an isolated grid? They are not connected back into the quote, a uh, quote unquote national grid. That way, the, the big thing is like, so like, like us, we are connected to New York, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, and Canada to where if our power generation goes down, we can get it from outside. Texas, on the other hand, because they don't want to have to follow federal regulations, have said, no, we're isolated. We do not want to tie into this bigger national grid, so we don't have to follow regulations. And we saw the duress that, that they were under in that, those winter storms of 2021. Yep. Uh, complete, complete shutdown. Yeah, basically the natural gas pipelines froze. Uh, the wind turbines froze, so then they could not generate electricity, and then they also couldn't go to, like, Louisiana or Oklahoma or anyone else and say, hey, can we get a little – can we get a cup of electricity from you guys? Because they are just <laughs> isolated from everything else. Now, we don't see them making moves to not be isolated at this point. Is nope, that they do not. They – is that, that is accurate? accurate. They still want to stay isolated, but and it's because they don't because because Texas is well Texas and they're very independent and don't want to have to follow federal regulations right. because they feel like they are the group of conservatives and libertarians that like to say no regulations are bad. We don't want to be regulated. Small government, no regulations. Companies can do whatever they want. Yeah, and 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 yeah, the, the suppliers compete with each other to sell to consumers. Very much so, because and there. there are upwards of twenty plus uh, electric providers that buy from the producers and then sell to the consumers. So, like, you go into an area, it's like you actually can shop around for your electricity. Right. And this is probably, and I don't have the number in front of me, but that is why their electricity costs less than yes. ours. It's a more competitive market. It's a much market. more competitive market. And also they, cause and there was a point a, prior to the 2000, the 2021 storms, uh, I was visiting my dad down there and he was telling me how he was, she changed providers and he actually doesn't have to pay for electricity at night or weekends. Uh, 
The only time he actually has to pay for stuff is during the day. Every, every other time it is, he's off, as long as he's off peak usage, he doesn't have to pay. Wow, so he's running the dryer incredible. at night. Exactly. Run the <laughs> yeah. dryer at night. Run it first thing for early in the morning kind of stuff. Like set the timer. Like actually use those timer settings that you can set on those dryers for delay starts. Yeah. So, so how many how many uh, companies are in, in the Vermont area uh, that provide power? Two. Three. 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 You have three? Uh, so, WEC, Washington Electric Co-op. Uh, G- right. GMP and Burlington Electric are the three. I'm, I'm, Burlington and there are, I'm, I'm sure there are others, but those are the big three I can think of off the top of my head. The, the primary, okay. Yep, but, but, but all of them are so regulated <laughs> by Velco. Uh, right, which okay. which it, uh, controls yep. pricing as well as safety and, and things yep. like that. Which is actually a government organization. Yep. Uh, so being prepared for weather events, we, we've seen the Texas has failed. Um, they're really being stress tested mm-hmm. right now. Um, and things seem to be going OK. They're going very well. They uh, uh, Some of the smaller producers are requesting people uh, cut back their AC use. But for the most part, the uh, as we uh, air, uh, they, they're main regulator of their grid is the Electrical Reliability Council of Texas. And ERCOT's saying ERCOT, that yeah. uh, the demand is actually much, is significantly lower than what their capacity is. And that is actually really due to, they have, when it's hot, wind gets, where the wind is blowing out, out in the western part of Texas, so they're producing wind. But they've also... They have uh, it's not on here, but they they have also invested heavily in solar, and this heat is also yes. Heat solar loves heat and, and well the sun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> which which technically is nuclear yes. power. Um, yes. So yeah, so they're actually like <laughs> which unlike the winter storms that they've had, where these uh the wind turbines froze. The solar's not producing because of the ha- how heavy the cloud cover is, and the, these natural gas plants had lines that are were freezing during the, during these cold events. Right. Because they're they not have, buried like no, ours. They are. actually no. A lot of their yeah, stuff right? is buried, but it's very shallow buried. Right. Well, that's I mean buried. Right. The yes. Same like, as yeah. We are. we bury below know, the frost we're, line. We're considering the perma. You know. Yeah. So. Um, I interrupted you there, Lily. Oh, no, I was just going to talk about the buried lines and, and how those are super easily frozen because they're not below the frost line. In, yeah, in but they don't, they don't really have yeah. a frost Vermont line Vermont has there. buried. Exactly. Not but yet. I think they should. Uh, I think they should. I think <laughs> yeah. they maybe, maybe want to look into that. <laughs> because it so seems one thing like I we're... kept coming across mm-hmm. was battery storage, like energy storage. Yeah, I mean, I just um, read some interesting stuff about um, that's actually one of the ways Vermont has been heavily investing in the grid for climate change is this combo of um, my, uh, this microgrid, which is, I believe, uh, Palnell Town is the first one to have this microgrid of basically if their if their main supplier of power gets cut, like. 
like I, for lack of a better term, because Sharon gets a lot of outages because of our main line coming in from Barnard. That gets hit during events mm-hmm. where we lose power. If we were a microgrid setup, we would then turn they, – they'd switch the pipes so all the little solar plants that are in Sharon would then be the producers for the town while our mainline connection is disconnected. And then combining that with the batteries that they've gotten people to put in is – so if you put in one of the Tesla power walls, GMP sells you electricity to charge that for under market rates. But then if there's a, a power event, then those all those interconnected batteries at these people's houses become your generators. Yes. Fascinating. And Vermont yep. is a leader on this. We are one of the leaders know? on this. As far as I, I as far as I read, we were one of the leaders. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Wow. And um, where is I mean, this is this technology is still yes. growing yes, there's a uh, 30 i think they're know. talking about the last round of pow- of batteries they invested 30 million and i want to say they're looking to invest the same amount for next year yes that's, that's here just in here vermont. yeah here in vermont mm-hmm. okay and texas just starting to sort of test the mm-hmm. waters and and look at this yep for the winter fascinating well, I've got to say, I am really glad that things did not go the direction they did mm-hmm. in 2021 uh, there. Um, you know, I, I think there was a postal worker who collapsed and died, uh, you know, but that's obviously working yep. outside. But for the most part, people have been safe. The elderly have been safe. Those are a major concern. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, I think this could have gone very badly if they weren't reacting to the incident of right. 2021 and uh, starting to change internally. Yes, because actually, because um, uh, Greg Abbott actually after 2021 did actually legislate that, no, we we do need to, despite being outside of federal regulations, we do need to address this. Even though Greg Abbott this what, baby. What is- oh, sorry. Yeah, and to kind of like spin off, spin off that, um, and uh, move on. What is Texas doing to improve their power grid and and kind of move through these winter months and these hot summer months, which we're seeing right now that is not super affecting their their power um, grid. One of the but big what are they doing they're, they're, for the winter? Uh, on the wind turbines, they are making it so uh, when the wind dies down, because that's what happened during the 2021 event is the wind died down so much that the turbines slowed down to the point that their inner workings started to freeze and then completely seized up. And two years previous, they had retired three mm-hmm. coal coal power plants. Um, so there wasn't, you know, and they had this reliability on, the, you know, the wind, which seemed to be working until climate change reared its ugly head in Texas yep. and, yeah, and so kind of shut it to down. The, prior to the, like, yeah, during, prior to 2021, it was a matter of they were basically just generating enough to meet the demand. And that, and, and the issue to right. that would come of, oh, if any bit of our producers go down, we can't actually meet demands because we are a on-demand system. 
And now with three more coal plants uh, scheduled to be retired, uh, they're they are scrambling to be ready with with yep. diversified power systems. And I think that's really the move forward in Texas of what they're trying to do um, from, you know, from my reading. And I left my good notes at the grocery store, so I'm yep. struggling a little bit today. But <laughs> I mean, I'd be curious um, to see uh, uh, if they're doing any investing in nuclear like uh, Georgia is. I was just going to ask, I was going to uh, say, are they going to increase their, their nuclear well, usage because they're like closing we, coal? There may be some issues with federal regulation. A little bit of federal regulation, there, right? but uh, I would love to do a, an episode on just nuclear because uh, besides these new uh, reactors that are going online in Georgia this year, uh, we have not built a new nuclear facility since the 60s. Right. So I, I think that's something mm -hmm. we should definitely put on the slate yeah. and uh, yep. uh, talk about soon. Um, and they, yeah, I believe that this year, it's the, the new Atlanta, Atlanta plant goes online this year. If it's, I think they're testing the new reactors right now, but I don't quote me on that. I, I just barely lost over the article I saw. That, are you looking into it, Lily? Yes, yep. I am. Lily's looking into it. <laughs> um, so really, you know, I think the, the big move is that, that you know, mm -hmm. moving away from coal, which I really appreciate, yep. Texas. Thank you. Um, but just they are learning that mm -hmm. they have to diversify their sources. And that seems to have been a big part of the success of Vermont is that we there has been a for years now a yep. move to diversify and look at solar and, and things like that. I started looking at wind nice. for my house the other day. Uh, <laughs> Because I get a good, good. I'm thinking the here. same about the um, um, uh, the tracker solar. A couple of the tracker solar panels. Yeah. Oh, like the the yep. yeah the articulating. Like I, yep, uh, I, I want to get two put down yeah. at the end of my field because that'd be the perfect spot because it gets even at the when the sun's at its lowest on our horizon, it hits that part of the field in the winter at least. I know we have what is it like eight hours of sunlight at times during the winter it hits that hits that spot almost yeah. all day that's amazing yeah that'd be great um and then you got answers Lil? i answers. have answers so it will it should be up and running for commercial use between this mm -hmm. november and march of 2024 okay. so it's pretty wide okay. but there, but still, but still this, like this, this year yeah. into early next year. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Okay, that's that's amazing. So yeah, let's uh, let's yes. make sure we talk about that soon um, and uh, start doing a little research on that. Um, Vermont, what we have goals that are approaching very soon, I think, of being uh, completely renewable sources, uh, which was in my good notes. But I want to say this decade we are hoping to be mm -hmm. uh, fully renewable here in Vermont. Um, uh, do you think it's, we're going to end up like just wildly speculating here? Do you think we're going to end up in a situation ever like Texas did by before we find ourselves into this situation? I mean, we have major weather events uh, I don't regularly. think so. I think we are I think we are tied through everything so well 
that we will not see events like Texas, but we will see things because of the way our just the landscape is. Uh, we will see outages, but they're going to be more. Oh yeah, that mainline connection that kick like that feeds Sharon and Barnard got hit by a tree again. Or oh yeah, we had. I mean, I hate to say it, but the next Irene event when 107 goes into the White River again. Right. And that's, yeah, and I'm, not, I'm not too, that's not too far off. Uh, yes. When, when we talk about that all the time, where every, all the locals are Irene scared 2. of something like this happening again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And I think we've already seen like two major weather events in the Gulf yep. uh, so far this year. And uh it's getting it's getting intense. Um what are I mean what what is our conclusion here? What do we what do we think about these two power grids in in comparison to each other and looking forward over the I rest think of this long decade? term ours is going to be more reliable and better despite what they're doing because they're also uh we didn't touch on this, but uh think of the most rinky dinky terrible poles out in the backwoods of Vershire. They have entire towns that are built like yeah. that. Yeah. In Texas. So I in think Texas. until they have some yeah. real regulation and forcing of um, something that's happened in Vermont that is not it not happening in other areas is this what we call the make ready system or projects, which was the raising mm-hmm. of the poles getting the poles on bigger, more sturdy poles, higher so they're above the tree lines at some spots, or at least at a point where anything falling is unlikely to hit those lines. Yeah, they're taking right. those old poles it, from out behind the forest and right up against the road, closer to a road. Less easement, so yeah, less easements. And, and yeah. Yep. Yeah, so I would love to see that. Yeah, you're uh, that you're kind of in the half WEC <laughs> yeah, territory. I mean, so, and WEC has unfortunately we do have a a provider here in the state that is very reluctant and fighting make ready, and that is the Washington Electric Co-op, and they right. they blamed um so out of the winter event we had in December, um they actually said that they will not be able to do make ready for two years because uh, the demand for poles and transformers and stuff is so high and they're not able to buy it. And they didn't already have that stock in place because they are very much an on demand repair house where they only keep what's just the minimum needed. Yeah. Well, fortunately for me, you know, it's two miles from my home to Route 113, and on the other side of Route 113 is Washington Electric, and I don't, you know, I'll be talking <laughs> to people at the transfer station. We haven't had power yeah. for two days. I'm like, all right, yep. sucks to be. But with um, I hate yeah. to, I hate to toot my EC fiber oh. horn, but with the uh, build coming up for the next two years, we are forcing Wex hand in the state is forcing Wex hand on. Do we make ready? Yeah, and anybody Perfect. who's That's listening great. that doesn't know, EC Fiber is a is a local uh, internet service provider. Has mm-hmm. to share poles with other utilities, and uh, it is a major major portion of what they have to do is yep. is negotiating with these other companies uh, to yes. to bring reliable communication to their customers. No. Um, 
do we think that uh, if if climate change continue well it's going to continue anyways uh if texas keeps getting these um really cold winters that they're going to start their own make ready plan i think greg abbott has with the, with some of the ruling he made after 2021 has started it um but i i think it will take a more progressive uh congress and senate and governor to be in texas to really see significant progress so essentially we're going to keep seeing so we're going to keep seeing what we we've seen in, in 2021 absolutely potentially happening yep yeah until yep. they diversify and they have batteries absolutely right. yeah well great for but not enough progress so well it's nice to have yeah yes yeah so, and it's going to take a long time Vermont, so, yeah, Vermont by is not by great. not <laughs> By not so they they are they don't get federal funds because they don't participate in federal reg- exactly. regulations, which is yep. slowing and down. And also, this, they, they, I mean, because they process. are very much of the uh, free market. Free market will will make a way. Um, unfortunately, the free market making a way is we're going to milk right. the cow for as much as, as, as yeah for much as it's worth. And uh, if the cow dies at the end of the day, we don't care because we'll just buy another cow. Yeah. Right. Yay. <laughs> well, I think, you know, I think we've kind of covered everything we can here. Lily, do you have anything else on this? No, I think we've wrapped this up in a nice, neat little yep. icky bow. Well, Eric, <laughs> Eric, you got any any other poll? No, but we, uh, we skipped uh, trivia over the prices and interview? stuff because we did. Uh, well, we touched upon a little bit, but yeah, let's yeah, just talk about prices uh, for, for two minutes Well, here. despite um, Texas's shortcomings, they are on average cheaper than what we pay. They are about uh, four, right now, current prices are about 14 cents per kilowatt hour, where we are up at 18. Wow. And that, like we touched upon yep. earlier, is because of it, it's a more competitive market. Things like what Eric's father does mm-hmm. and not having to pay overnight and, and things like that. Yep. It's, um, it's a lot more interesting. Yeah. All right. So what do we have coming up next week? What 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 uh, what excitement Drought, are we droughts, talking about? Water and drought. And we should yeah, what all the good stuff in around that's going yeah. on with the droughts, how people are potentially dealing with these uh these new dry wet patterns we are having mm-hmm. um and we're gonna we're gonna sort of expand our, mm-hmm. our you know away from vermont a little bit and talk about uh the wheat drought uh, or the mm-hmm. drought effect on wheat in both kansas and china and what that means for yep. the uh what what that means for the food yep. supply chain uh places like here Perfect. So, well, now I what's, think, uh, is another. But what's oh, happening sorry? on the homestead? What's happening in your guys' uh, world? Yeah, I was going to say, we, I've just been weeding. I, I uh, same, same so here much. is we, weeding the garden. Uh, I Work's been very busy for me, so I am. Uh, I, I do it when I have energy in the evenings, which usually is when I'm walking the dog around the yard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's something Eric and I talked about. We were talking about yesterday is just how different 
you know our situations are and and uh we're we're guesting on a podcast uh this afternoon uh where we're going to kind of talk about that a lot like how this is my full-time job part-time, as, part-time, part-time as i as a yeah part-time you know, to try to and, and, be more more food independent right where mine is more yes. learning skills to exit capitalism um Uh, but yeah my strawberries are coming in really well we're going to make sure eric has some of my strawberries next year for his garden um uh flowers are blooming like crazy i thinned the broccoli this morning uh so we've got you know so we're going to get some good producers out of that um but like i think the best part of my week at this point was that we had family visiting again and i got to go to farmway uh because whenever somebody comes to visit we take them to farmway Farmway. (laughs) (laughs) and it was great i kept telling them i was like this place is great this place is great and as we're on our way i see one of my neighbors and we stop to say hi and uh and I, I'm like, I tell her, I'm like, oh, we're going to Farmway. She's like, oh, you're going to Farmway. And the, like the whole drive there, they're like, what is the deal with this place? I'm like, you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> so nice. that was really great to get to go do that with them. Uh, you know, Amazing. basically just yeah. I hung out for a couple of days, which I don't do very often. So, yep, but more yeah, of the so same. weeding and more thinning, of Eric, the more same. of the same. Still, I am working on, uh, I'm actually going to start trying to bake more in the evenings uh, when it's not when it's not stupidly humid and I want to do everything possible to not warm up my house. Cause I want to start trying to use more egg, more eggs. Um, right. I'd like, I've been debating trying to start like a micro farm stand of just being like having some small baked goods. Like, especially once my zucchinis come in is just doing like, Hey, do big batch of zucchini bread and then put them out on the stand and be like, yeah, two to $3 for a loaf of zucchini bread. Yeah, and you know nobody wants to bake when it's hot. So if you do it, um, <laughs> yeah, cool. that I think that'd be great. And if you need, if oh, you want to yes, build oh, something, well, I can, I'd definitely be able to help. Uh, so or or you can yeah, just do a plastic cloth, Vermont that's and just exactly put a plastic what I was table down of, there. So of borrowing one of the tents that nobody seems to acknowledge that exists at work, um, and and putting that up under with just a little wood. <laughs> with my, I wouldn't even do it. I just do my picnic table. Just like, hey, here's my picnic table. Here's a little little sign have fun yeah right on sounds great awesome that sounds, sounds delicious fun. yeah yeah all right have we had any so, listener that's... interaction this week you know i i so last week we were talking about like natural uh, last pest, week, was last it last week, week or the week last before week. Yeah. we were talking about uh, like natural pest week. control and and i was talking about marigolds and i'd uh talked ended up talking to somebody on tiktok who was saying that um they actually attract skunks uh but while they get rid of all these other things so honestly i didn't look into it but um it was really interesting because it really did start this whole conversation where you know everybody's telling Mm. started getting all sorts of of cool ideas and and a lot of them are your obvious ones um but it made me want to think of i talk about the uh eric i'm sure you know this one the irish spring deer repellent thing do you know this like the local the local vermonters like to hang bars of irish spring irish soap spring. and like all of this and say that i, they I don't understand why people don't away. go for the low-hanging uh, and fruit I, and 90 percent of these animals will not go into marked territory wink wink exactly right. just pee right. on your friend yeah, exactly. exactly pee on the fence just yeah, pee on the pee fence. around the garden 
supernatural. Yeah, you you don't get more natural you don't have than to that. Buy a house of Irish you, Spring, like. <laughs> I, yeah. I agree with so, that. I agree with that method. Yes, they do. They love the acid. And Rosie really like it. So yes, there uh, you go. Yes. Yeah. So uh, pee on your roses, everybody, because deer <laughs> don't like roses. And uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, that was really all I, I had this week. Um, I've been meeting a lot of really great people. Um, you know, uh, I was dragging Eric around by the nose at the farmer's market yesterday, introducing myself yes. to people and having a blast. So hopefully we're going to have a little more to chat about in this segment, uh, next week and the weeks coming forward. Um, and I guess that just leaves us with Rebecca. It was very nice to take time out of a day where there was actually sun. And, uh, right. Is, or is there anything else? No, no I, don't, I don't feel good. I, I'm else. I think this. we covered everything <laughs> okay. we uh, needed to cover. All right. Well, thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, you can email us, brokenshovel802 at gmail. Uh, you can check me out on TikTok. I make fun videos about strawberries, uh, and that's just Broken Shovel Farm. Uh, keep an eye out for more and more full court press from us. We're having a blast making this podcast. Uh, and also I am on a podcast this week called KD time. Uh, uh Eric, what's the name of the oh podcast God, we're going on it's, today? It's um, the point of it all. Yes. The point of it all. Yeah. It's, uh, the point of it yep. all. Yeah. Yep. Um, doing that. I'm not sure when that's coming out, but we'll follow up on that next week. And, uh, got more yep. great conversations uh coming up in coming weeks so throw to rebecca and myself talking earlier this week hey everybody uh this is our pre-recorded segment today on the episode uh talking with rebecca of fiddler's green farm in uh plymouth vermont rebecca thank you so much for taking time i know you're super busy and it's actually not raining today uh so i really appreciate you taking time to to kind of talk with us uh, uh and our audience about you know what you're doing out there at fiddler's green and and what you're doing in vermont hello hey. thanks for having me <laughs> yeah, this is fun. I, I, I love talking to uh, like-minded people and, and just people that are passionate about, uh, you know, sustainability and, and looking forward. So, yeah. and uh, kind of came across you on TikTok and I love your TikToks. Um, <laughs> I, I especially like the, the, the sort of private ones where you're complaining about other people. And you... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, someone's got to like say something sometimes. It's funny because uh, yesterday I was at my, my hometown market, which like, it's literally me and one other vendor there. There's like no one there really. Oh, really? Um, and some car pulls up and they're camping at the state park down the road. And he's like, oh, I think I follow you on TikTok. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, well, sorry, I'm kind of weird on there, but you know, try to keep it I think it's sometimes people, you know, glamorize things a little too much. And I'm like, you know what? We're not going to do that here. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, I, I try to keep mine pretty uh, family friendly, but occasionally I'll get mad about people's lawns or something and, oh, God, and yeah. you know, I'll cuss a little bit, but you yeah. know, it's not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about um, uh, Fiddler's Green and and how this came to be and what you do out there yeah. in Plymouth. Yeah. So, um pretty much always have kind of been involved in um, plants and gardening and agriculture. Um, I went to, grew up in New Jersey and went to a vocational school um, in high school for horticulture. 
Um, I always was like had a garden and stuff at my, you know, house as a, as a kid. And even like my grandmothers were really great with like growing flowers and everything like that. Um, but it was all just like very much so like hobby kind of farming. Um, hated New Jersey, as you can imagine. I definitely <laughs> not okay with like the overpopulation. I mean, even as a young, like little girl, I would go to like the town meetings and be like, stop building apartments and condos, which obviously like, <laughs> failed at that because they still did that. But you know, I just like saw all the farms disappear because, of course, you know, the irony in the Garden State is there are farms around. It's just like they're very, very few um, now. Um, and I was born in the early 90s. So like when I lived there, it was like right when things were like really getting overdeveloped. So that uh-huh. kind of was like the catalyst for me to get out of there because I just like it just was sad to me. Um, and I didn't want to live around people that were just like in this weird like you know, work, 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 kind of like miserable life. Um, yeah. So graduated high school and immediately moved up to Vermont. Um, there is a cat meowing right now, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, actually, let me go in the other room. But um, yeah, so I ended up like moving up to Vermont, went to um, Green Mountain College for a year um, before I decided to kind of switch gears a little bit. Um, so after I went to Green Mountain College, um, decided to go to massage school because I was like, well, you know, had work in the, in the summer, not so much in the winter. Right. So I ended up kind of doing that for a little bit. Um, but it was kind of ironic because right around the same time of me going um, to massage school, I got a job working full season in a greenhouse in Rutland, which okay. period, it's kind of unheard of in Vermont to have like someone who wants to pay the, you know, electric and heat bills all winter long. Right. So, <laughs> I did that for a couple of years. Like I had finished massage school and thought I was going to do that and ended up just working in the greenhouse. Um, so we grew tomatoes basically all year round, which was very interesting. I still feel like I was very spoiled and I probably didn't appreciate it as much as I probably could have then. But um, definitely, definitely funny to be, you know, harvesting tomatoes when it's like a blizzard outside. Um, but yeah, so I did that for a couple of years and then I ended up... Um, Kind of ended, went and did massage a little bit more so full time. But um, in the meantime, I had always had like the herbal business. So I pretty much started making a lot of the products that I make when I was like 15, 16. I had a lot of skin issues and it kind of just started with like sure. doing some, some skin products. And then I started making other stuff for other people. And so, so I've seen some of your stuff. Uh, I've seen some videos of your stuff. So what kind of stuff were you making, you know, with like skin products specifically? Yeah, like you're talking so, about like um, for yourself. I, mean, I do like a lot more now, but um, basically when I first started, I was just doing like skincare. Um, I would do like salves. Um, calendula okay. was like the first like real like medicinal flower that I worked we made, with. We do a lot of calendula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still like love calendula. It's like definitely my flower. So um, I'd made it like a bunch of like salves and it, it helped with my skin stuff. And then and I kind of like, you know, other people would be like, oh, well, I have this. And I would just do some research and try to figure out what I could make. Um, so I've always like been kind of trying to like make things to help other people. Um, you know, of course, I didn't really have any like any way to make it a, a profitable thing. I remember I did my my one of my first farmers markets in New Jersey before moving to Vermont. And I just had like a couple things there, you know. And this one woman was like, are you trying to like compete with like Maybelline? And I was like. Uh, no. I mean, no, I don't think I'm going to ever compete with Maybelline, but I really appreciate your weird, uh, there's, support. There's no petroleum guess. in this. I know. Uh, I was like, no, like I'm just growing the flowers. Like, I don't know, but yeah, it was wild. So, um, I've and then always Fiddler's kind of been... Green happened. Like, yeah. So you're, you're working in a, 
you're working in a greenhouse and then suddenly <laughs> what 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 happened there? Yeah, well, so I ended up like quitting the greenhouse um, right around the time that my my dad started to get sick um, and he ended up passing away. Because it's it's gonna be six years ago in September. Um I'm so sorry. I, I wouldn't have had always like, hard. Yeah, I mean it was one of those things. Like he definitely was he was struggling, you know, for a while. Um he had always had issues with alcohol when I was like a kid and everything. And I mean it's definitely like in the family, you know. Got the Irish genes with that. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean he you know, he had quite the quite the life, um, was a musician. So, you know, definitely was around a lot. Um, that was probably not great for the liver. So, you know, he, he ended up passing away and he left my sister and I some money through like life insurance. So I basically knew at this point I was living in a one room cabin, um, with my boyfriend at the time. And we were like, well, you know, we can keep paying for rent, but I mean, I don't really like do anything. I know it sounds stupid, but like, I'm not like trying to buy a sports car. Like I'm not, there's nothing right. really like I, got the money and I ended up just like putting it all toward the property. So it basically just paid for the down payment on the house. Um, so we have, you know, the house obviously. And I wanted to start the farm anyway, cause right around the same time I was doing massage full time and I was making like really decent money, you know, like saving a lot. And um, then what we bought the house was 2019 and COVID happened in 2020 that's turns the same out, year I bought my house. Yeah, turns out a massage is a not great career to be in during a <laughs> pandemic. So probably shouldn't touch people during a pandemic. It's kind no. of fun. So I kind of still do massage, but it definitely went from being like what paid my bills to like not really. So right. now I'm just like investing my life and everything into the farm being like, okay, let's see if this works out one day. So I don't know. So far, so good. <laughs> so far, so good. And and what if, one of the things we talked about in a previous in our previous conversation was uh you you had talked about securing food for the community and i know you do you have your apothecary side and that is so impressive but i know you you said earlier uh, before we started recording you've got about 60 chickens yeah. and you're are you are these meat hens or are these strictly egg hens uh, so what i we... mostly have egg hens um we do actually have some meat birds this year as well um mostly okay. just for my, like my boyfriend he's i'm like i don't know why you're even trying to buy meat from anywhere else right um so yeah i mean and especially around here there's like not really any grocery stores that aren't like an hour away so he'll, he'll like go, you lived in Killington for a little bit. He'll go to the Killington market and they call it the markup because it really is the market. Yeah. And I'm like, do not buy food from here, please. So I'm yeah. like, I'm already feeding these birds. He actually grew up on a turkey farm, which is kind of funny. And I was like, well, guess what? We're getting turkeys. <laughs> I'm like your grandfather would be so happy. So. I have a good friend that has tried so many times to raise turkeys, uh, for meat and she just keeps them as pets i honestly i'm like i'm getting turkeys because i cannot be around when they when they do the deed because these turkeys are so sweet and i'm like yeah yeah so yeah. i don't really eat like too much poultry i'm like the weirdest vegetarian ever i haven't really eaten like a lot of like meat since i was like a kid but i eat like seafood now and like i'll, okay. I'll eat like you know like you know, whatever pork that my friends uh, have down the road, right. or whatever. Like, I'm okay with like you know things that are hunted around here, or yeah, whatever. But it's like tough because I really want to do everything myself, but I'm also like realistically, I cannot do everything myself. But right. it would be nice to have you know of other you know livestock animals. Um, you know, my goal is obviously for my family to be able to support ourselves, but also like there's no stores nearby. You know, like the closest yeah. grocery stores. We have like Ludlow, which is like 25 minutes away, but it's still kind of a, a stretch. Um, 
Well, and we really saw out of the pandemic, like being at the end of uh, the supply chain and yeah. what what things mean to us out here and, and well, yeah, how and important I think, like, it is to be able to take care of yourself and your neighbors. To oh, your definitely. Point. I mean, it, it affected like everywhere, but I think like in areas that are more rural, it's definitely a weirder perspective. I mean, there's not a lot around, you know, like there are farms in Vermont, you know, I mean, where I am, not so much. There's, there's like nothing around me really. So, and so much of what's produced here, it leaves here. You know, I know. It's, it's terrifying. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, you know, it, there's a lot of concern about that late frost, uh, which is a, a, the last episode we talked about in yeah, May. Yeah. Did you, did you see anything from that frost? You know, um, there we, in, in, we were affected in, in a weird way. Um, we usually are always very, very cold. I mean, I have snow here for like a long time, um, but we're pretty like the way that our property is, it's kind of funny because it looks like a little like triangle on Google Maps of just like green and the rest is all trees around us. And so we're like kind of like in this little like wooded nook and it okay. seems like that helps kind of insulate us a little bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't really have a lot outside that was going to get affected, really. Um, right. I The greenhouse, uh, which I am just kind of barely finishing at this point, so it's been like a three-year project here, um, obviously helps. There's no heat in there yet because um, I'm, you know, still trying to find grants and all that. But um, right. just having, you know, even just something enclosed. Um, I have all the tomatoes and peppers in there and like, you know, like sensitive herbs like, you know, basil and rosemary and all that. So right. they were all fine. Like nothing was really phased at all, but... It got to be like 21, maybe 19, and it was fine. I mean, I had all the cold crops outside. You I have didn't fruit direct seed anything yet. Um, yeah, I have like elderberry. We have some apple and crab apple, and they were fine. I think it was kind yeah. of just we were in that like little wooded nook. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I get lucky. I'm on a like a bare hill, yeah. and there's always a breeze. And, you know, Eric, my co host on the show, will get like hit by a really hard frost, you know, four towns over and I will be at the same temperature, but this like gentle breeze that's always coming through seems to save us somehow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's we were, we were really lucky too, it's but so man, strange it's, how that works. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Cause my friend down the road lost like a ton of her stuff that she planted. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. I mean, I just mostly in my main garden have like herbs or like brassicas planted right. so they were yeah. like they didn't really care the I, mean, same I, had the broccoli, us, yeah. I had the broccoli planted outside like as soon as the snow melted and the soil was like kind of <laughs> Good for you. So i'm like well you know kind of have to have it ready for the farmer's market so right you, this is your <laughs> yeah. life so yeah. is the, i mean are you seeing the weather change i mean it, it, you know we're looking at an el nino year and we're looking yeah. at warm and wet, which sounds good, but too much water can be a major problem. Oh, yeah. Well, so I think this was, was it 2019? No, maybe it wasn't 2019. <laughs> I don't know. A couple of years ago. I mean, I've been pretty much growing in greenhouses living up here, which I was very blessed with when I managed those greenhouses. There were like seven of them and I could do tomatoes, obviously, but do whatever I wanted to. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. But other than that, I mean, all the other, you know, projects that I've been dealing with on my land have been mostly in the ground. And I mean, I, the greenhouses was just kind of closed in this time last year. So okay. it was still like a weird year last year. Like, I think I just saw that the memory like popped up that I think it was like a year ago, like maybe two weeks ago, I finally planted all the tomatoes and peppers, which is still like normal and on track for like everybody else normally. But this year I planted the tomatoes and peppers in there like April 1st. Okay. So that was cool. I mean, they, they did fine without heat, you know, it definitely gets cold in there at night, but, um, 
I don't know. I mean, the greenhouse I feel really grateful for, but for the most part, very lucky. are like pretty okay with, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of down with whatever kind of weather. It's just like the vegetables that get like very finicky. Um, and yeah. I still obviously grow vegetables. I have like a CSA and I do, you know, the, the front run the farmer's market in my town. So I definitely need produce, but things are growing slow. They're growing, but they're, they're definitely, uh, taking their time. Yeah. At least I'm noticing outside. that. I mean, my root veg, my, my, you know, my brassica, all those are doing fine, yeah. but peppers and tomatoes are, are you know, I'm, uh, are, I'm struggling with a little bit. I know, but... it's, it's tough. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, Vermont is weird like this. I mean, I've lived here for, I guess it's going to be 10 years. I think I moved here in like July, 10 years ago. Okay. Um, so it's always like this. It's like you get one season that's super sunny and there's like no rain or the next summer it's like all rain. Cause like one one summer, maybe it was like two, two, three years ago, I want to say it was so wet here. And I was actually trying to grow flowers for my friend's wedding. And I like oh. basically had to be like, I don't know if this is going to really work because it was like <laughs> no rain like, or it was no yeah. sun, all rain. I was yeah. like, this is just not ideal. So yeah, it definitely adds to the level of stress that's already in agriculture. You have but, to be um, able to, yeah, you have to be able to pivot and adjust and, and yeah. make those moves. And yeah, I mean, know, realistically sort of for me, like, I will always grow produce, but the vegetables are not really where the money is for me. Um, I do like work with some restaurants, which is nice because like food waste is like a big deal for me. And I think yep. it's for everybody that's involved in agriculture, but um, it, I just can't. It's hard with market produce because you spend all that time harvesting it and you're like, well, I hope it sells. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I do like a couple other markets besides the one in Plymouth. Um, but it's just hard cause there's not like a full-time community here. So like, there's not a lot of people around. Right. Um, so for me, I'm like, you know what, if I know that I can sell whatever to the restaurants, then great. Um, and I have the, the dedicated people that I do a CSA for, which I know I'm like, okay, at least they're going to definitely use it. But other right. than that, I mean, it's like hard when it's certain things you know I, I do a lot of canning but a lot of other produce you're just like okay i guess we're eating salad for like every meal you know I, yeah, i'm looking so. in the garden and going yeah it's nothing but salads for the next oh, few I know, weeks yeah. I yeah. Keep <laughs> with the CSA. i'm like it'll get exciting soon don't worry <laughs> <laughs> well and, uh, just like for the markets and for your your products that you do sell before we we wrap up here where can people find you how can people find you um, and obviously we'll put some links in the episode yeah. description to help people with that. But do you want to talk a little bit about what markets you're at or anything Yeah, definitely. Like that? So, um, I guess for Vermont people, um, I am on, um, I guess on Wednesdays I'm at the Woodstock market on the green. Um, it's three to six every Wednesday. And then, um, basically Saturday is Rutland nine to two. And that's right. over by Walmart. Um, yep. And then Sunday, one. yeah, Sunday I, I run the Plymouth Market. And it's basically just me and another woman who's lovely and makes um, beautiful baked goods that I've been eating so much of. I'm like, this is horrible, but I just can't stop it. <laughs> so we're, we're around. I also have a website um, and it's just fiddlersgreenfarmvt.com. Um, okay. And you can find like all the canned goods. I do like all the herbal skincare products. I do like hair products and like candles and all these other different random things, teas and stuff. So <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah. There was something you had a, like, um, uh, uh, 
English breakfast tea that tasted like mint or something. Oh my gosh. Like you yeah. said it tasted yeah. like a chocolate, so like chocolate a, mint. Um, yeah. It's, it's like a, well, it's actually Irish breakfast, which like Irish you know, breakfast, the similarities yeah. are, they're pretty much almost the same, but um, uh, it, has, it depends it has on who, how intense in the person you ask. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it has peppermint um, and rosemary and orange peel in it. And it, I don't know why okay. it tastes like a thin mint cookie, but it does. And I, that's always that's my fascinating. treat. Every well, midday, I'm like, I need a snack. And I'm like, you know what? No, we're going to make a cup of this, put some maple syrup in it. It's basically a snack. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a big tea drinker. So the tea is definitely a huge part of the farm here. I mean, right now it's just being able to plant enough to meet the demand because, you know, not a bad problem, but I, I've only been here for four years. The first summer we were here, I kind of was just trying to learn the land. So I only had like one small perennial garden, but... um. Yeah, I've been definitely planting a lot of plants that, of course, some people are like, don't put peppermint in the ground. And I'm like, well, I'm going to harvest it because I use like 20 yeah. pounds a year. So, yeah, you just got to be ready to cut it back constantly. Oh, yeah. Well, it's so. the problem is I plant a lot of it and it's still not enough. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I'm really glad you were able to join us and yeah, talk about all of this. And, um, you know, there's going to be a link in the episode description where people can find you. And, and really just as far as doing this in Vermont and being sustainable and looking for your community, uh, looking out for your community. This is just yeah. um, it's really great to meet people that are that are in that same mindset. Yeah. So. Thank you so much for taking the time, Rebecca. Yeah, of course, of course. Oh, Fiddler's Green Farm. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>